Enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey. podcast one <laughs> this is it man this is it this is the first one this is a 10-year mind grenade that's just just launching off into its maiden voyage before we get started blurry creatures what we're gonna call this podcast yeah what are blurry creatures great question around the world there's these like documented sightings of all kinds of creatures and I think blurry, multiple meanings there. They're blurry because science doesn't recognize them. Science, quote unquote. Uh, they're blurry because they blur the lines between what is supposed to exist and what doesn't exist. Uh, there's, you know, there's been whispers and cries from people seeing creatures for hundreds of years. Um, they go like by the names of like Mothman, Jersey Devil, Dogman, Bigfoot, Abominable Snowman, uh, Werewolves. Um, sometimes even people see like dinosaurs they're describing in remote parts of the world to this day near the Congo and in Papua New Guinea and places like that. And they're blurry because, you know, the most obvious one is like in a panic stupor, someone sees something, they pull out their phone, they try to take a picture, ah, you know, their heart's beating so fast. And But I mean, they always do come out blurry. It's the frustrating thing. Is it like, oh, see that little blob over there next to the tree? That's it. <laughs> so... Uh, blurry creatures, man. That's uh, that's a name I came up with, and uh, I think it's got multiple meanings. Welcome to Blurry Creatures. All right, so my name's Nathan Henry. For those of you listening, for the past 10 years, I've pretty much gone down every rabbit hole I could find about the topic of Bigfoot, which led to other creatures. But uh, I, and speaking of Bigfoot, I think it's a great place to start. I've watched almost all the documentaries, listened to thousands of hours of podcasts. I, I read all the articles. I uh, watched plenty of bad videos people post. Like there's some, there's some like these, uh, you know, blogs where like they post like the latest video that came out. I've seen some pretty good ones. There's a couple like every once in a while out of every like 250 videos, there's like one. It's like whoa, that thing was big and it moved. And it didn't look like a didn't look like a guy in a suit trying to pull a hoax. But uh, every new piece of information that I found sort of led to the next. And soon I was talking to my friends, my wife, and I kind of realized, uh Oh, like <laughs> I'm into this topic. Uh, but you know, there's kind of this point where like things transitioned where you start to be afraid to go in the woods and you realize, okay, I'm, I'm past the point of like, do I think these things exist? <laughs> it's like affecting like if I'm walking around the woods, I'm like, I'm not, a di- I'm not the guy I was before I started reading all this information and listening to all this information. So I've been wanting to do a podcast forever. And when it comes to podcasting, you got to find the right co-host. You got to find someone who's passionate about the topic and have some sort of outside credibility, I think, and not just like this crazy guy in his mom's basement um, talking about Bigfoot. So 
<laughs> you Although know, that is that is compelling. <laughs> it can be. I mean, maybe if you're just a crazy guy, people love you. But uh, what about you, Luke? What's what's tell us all about yourself. Well, Nate, I'm I'm happy to be a part of what you're doing here, and I, I really think that that for me, you know, people always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And um, I think we're all in that transition stage of, or all of us feel like we still have growing up to do. And I, I think if I were to grow, you know, to have that job when I grow up, I want to be a treasure hunter. I've said that for a, for a while now. Um, and to me, this is one of the, this is the, this is the greatest treasure hunt in the animal kingdom. This, this, this is a huge mystery. I love mysteries. I love true crime. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm compelled by the mystery and, and the history behind, behind Bigfoot. I, um, I'm a huge history buff. I, de- I devour history. I've watched a ton of shows on Bigfoot. I actually grew up in what what some might say is, is somewhat the epicenter as far as California in, in the Bigfoot side. And I'm from Northern California. My grandmother is actually from, grew up in Happy Camp, California, which mm. is right in the dead center of, of Bigfoot country, real close to where the Patterson-Gimlin film. So I have family yeah. history in this. And I've come come quite a way through sifting through evidence, watching documentaries, they haven't quite gone on that on that own squash hunt yet, but <laughs> I'm not against it. Don't do it alone. And so this this to me, exploratory wise, I, I I think there's a so many different threads of truth and also reality that feed into this story. And it's one of those things where people talk about unicorns, and yet yet you don't have people that actually believe in unicorns, physical unicorns that that are somewhere in the Irish um, Highlands, right? No one sees them. For some reason, across the country, across the, the world, people continually have sightings, hundreds of years of sightings, thousands of years of mythology, and there's got to be an answer. And so I'm, I'm here to kind of dive into this you know, full, full body, into, into this pool of, of kind of craziness. And like you said, it's, it's a lot of fringe, fringy type um, people in their basement that obsess on this uh, subcultures I don't want to I'm not poo-pooing that at all I'm just saying I, I'm from an empirical evidence standpoint I want to I want to sift through the things that you have sifted through and I want to go on this journey in, in discovering is uh, these these blurry creatures from from Bigfoot to you know to the Loch Ness Monster to these things that live on the fringes of reality some say in other dimensions um, whatever it may be uh, I'm game to go to go on this treasure hunt and at the end of the at the end of this rainbow, I'm hoping we find Bigfoot. Awesome! They just found that that one guy hid that treasure in like the Sierra Nevada. Dude, yes. Okay, so Forrest Finn. Were you bummed about that? Yeah, you know it's funny when that happened. My brother Jordan sent me a text and said, "Did you hear they found Forrest Finn's treasure?" Because my dad literally. And so <laughs> I'm not joking about treasure hunting. Like my dad comes to Nashville and he still lives in Northern California. Mom and dad live up there, and they come out here. I tell him to bring his metal detector. And we go on these little metal detecting trips to look for Civil War relics and things like that on on private land on, on that we have permission. Obviously, not the legal type of yeah. Of, uh, but we and we've done it the last couple of times. My dad loves it, and like uh, I love it. It's the thrill of the hunt. Um, you could find some old coins and make some real money. That's the well, you know, you never know. I think that's the fun part of it. And so, are you one of those guys on the beach with the like the? No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> the rain. Don't tempt, the... don't tempt me with a good time, but no. Uh, <laughs> don't tempt. Not so much, but I, I think that the Forrest Fen thing is interesting in the sense that, like, gosh, there's a real treasure that some guy who you know had terminal cancer that thought it was the end of his uh, his days and went hit his fortune, and it stayed out there for a really long time. I think some several people died trying to find it. Yeah, 
And everyone was mad at the guy, like, hey, you, you. It's your fault. Yeah, yeah. I know. Cancel culture went after him even for that. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, just think if you're, gosh, if you need the guy that invented planes or cars. Could you imagine just you. finding that, at, at like, just that moment where we're, like, sitting there for, like, 30 seconds, like, this is, I found it. Right. And you're hoping that he didn't, you didn't that he, she, whoever found it didn't mortgage their entire life to find it, only to find out that they didn't break even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's awesome because I think Bigfoot is sort of, like, it's a treasure in a way that, like, someone's going to carry one out of the woods one of these days and that guy that person will be the legend you know the person who proved the big to the world that bigfoot existed but before we go there i think a lot of people let's talk about this i think for me there's like there's like three different types of people listening to this podcast there's people who like that you say the word bigfoot all they think is tabloids and then there's people who are like in the middle who are open-minded who's watched a couple documentaries had has a friend who's into it has had some discussions around the bonfire late at night with a couple beers and then there's like experts or not, you know, like above average people who are like, it's a hobby. They go out, they know the terminology, they go to conferences, they have a Bigfoot statue in their backyard. You know what I mean? Like, right? Just, no, people people live this. It becomes like, it becomes the obsession <laughs> becomes their lives. If you watch on any of these great treasure hunters that end up finally finding the Titanic or these Spanish galleons or these amazing priceless treasures, by the time they've gotten there. They've mortgaged everything. They've gone bankrupt a number of times. They most of the time have lost family members or family or friends in the process. Yeah. And I don't think that's too unlike some of the subculture in this, that where people are so convinced that this is, this is something that exists and is worth finding. Yeah. Um, that they sell out for it. Right, right, wrong in between. I would say it's the, tre- it's the treasure hunt, right? Uh, but I think even before you start looking for a treasure, though, you have all these skeptics. You have all these people that are like, nah, it doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. And I think for us, episode one, what I'd like to unpack is like, okay, how do we get the people who are just cruising into this episode thinking to themselves, I've never actually legitimately looked into this topic? And I think over the course of the next several episodes, we'll go into depth, but you and I can go through. Real quickly, th- these five major pillars. Right, and just for a little a back, just back knowledge or backstory on this is when Nate and I were talking about this podcast, I, I was asking him, well, so you know, why why do you believe in, that this is a this thing exists and this is real, and 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 what are your pillars of belief when it comes to to Bigfoot, to Sasquatch, to Yeti, to the swamp ape, to everything you want to call him? What what is him or her? You know, what are your what are your pillars of belief? And for you, it came down to these to these five pillars of, of what you believe is evidence for this. And and I think breaking this down is very important to lay a foundation for the rest of this journey and discovery um, and topic and discussion on on the hairy forest man. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously, to me, number one is the Bible. Right? You wouldn't think the Bible has anything to do with blurry creatures. Ultimately, the, when you go down the trail like of, of where Bigfoot is, you'll find eventually on podcasts, documentaries, they start interviewing pastors, uh, biblical scholars, because the history, you know, the Bible is one of the greatest history books of all time. Despite being religious text, it just talks about these creatures. Um, so in the Bible, the Old Testament has a term that's kind of dropped real casually 
several places in Genesis 6 mainly called the Nephilim. That describes these mighty men of valor. But they're to most people, they're giants, literal giants. And, you know, like your pastors probably not talked about this on Sunday morning, but there there's hundreds of verses about these these races of giants, the Canaanites, the Zumim, the Raphaim, the, the Anakim. You can only imagine like if you're a, a theologian or you're someone who grew up in the church, and you're like, I've never heard this in my life. Like, this isn't a casual thing that the Bible talks about. Like, they even talk about how heavy the, the shields were, how tall they were. In Numbers, it says they were so big, they made the Israelites look like grasshoppers. So we're talking maybe 40, 50 foot tall. This isn't just something that is casually mentioned in the Bible. It's like a staple part of the Old Testament. That's crazy. You grew up in the church. You say here that the Nephilim were mentioned in three times as many verses as as Mary, the mother of Christ, which... It's just the word giants. But still, I mean, that's that's an insanity. You think about the reverence for, for Mary, I mean, especially in the Catholic faith, and, and Mary's basically deified in the Catholic faith. And it's like, and yet giants are talked about three times as much <laughs> as Mary, mother of Christ. Well, these tribes are even discussed even more, like the Amorites, 80 times. But just the word, like if you have your Bible app, you can just you can just Google words, you know, and it'll show up verses. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's probably like forty or fifty verses that just come up with giants in it. And uh, it's wild. It, but it just goes to show you that like weird ideas, weird verses, they don't get talked about, right? But the Bible has a lot of evidence to support blurry creatures, so to speak. And uh, science hasn't recognized those things yet, but uh, there is a lot of reports. They've dug up these bones of these giants. But it doesn't make the uh, headline news like it used to. No, it doesn't. Makes you wonder. I'm, I'm interested to, when we when we hit this at full speed to understand the thought of how the how can we can relate Bigfoot to to the giants of the Old Testament and and how in your research in your mind these mix because I I would say that as someone who also grew up in the in the church in a Christian church that um, this wasn't a topic that, that you had at youth group or yeah and it wasn't I mean it's for good reason I think in a lot of ways I mean a lot of times you we talk about the gospel and and this and that, but it seems to be glossed over or intentionally skipped over in a lot of, and I think it's because it's one of those things that with empirical evidence, it's just not, you know, we don't see it or we don't hear about it. Those are two different things completely. Well, I think everyone at the end of the day is afraid of being laughed at, right? And that a lot of these topics, like everyone goes, oh yeah, science would just totally be willing to prove the existence of a blurry creature. And I'm like, not always. Like if something is so tabloid, it's connected to your ego, your identity, your your workplace, your livelihood. I've heard hundreds of accounts of people saying like, "Don't use my name. Keep my keep keep my identity secret." Uh, I've seen that on documentaries, and you're like, "Why?" Just talking about something he saw in the woods. I used to work for the forest department of forestry. I'm not allowed to talk about this. And you're like, "Wait a minute. There's so much weird taboo connected to this subject." So people think, oh, you're crazy. Everyone's open-minded. Everyone's willing to accept new ideas. And I'm like, that's not the case. People are closed-minded. No. And people are more concerned about feeding their families than they are trying to come out and say they support the existence of some creature in the woods. So anyway, the Bible is chock full of it. If you've never heard that, you've you've been given the Disney version of the Bible. But the uh, real rated R version, they have fallen angels, created these giants, and they're all over the place. So bad, perhaps that's why God destroys the world in the flood, right? Yeah. That's the that's the rated R version. Wow. You were told probably a little bit different version. So that's just the Bible. Hopefully we can really dive into that. I know some guys that are really smart with all this stuff and can really lay it out. 
and get your mind spinning. So pillar number one for you is the Bible. What's your second pillar? So the most famous documented accounts. And it's not necessarily proven 100%. Whatever happened in these accounts was Bigfoot. But, you know, sometimes in science you just kind of you, you, you work backwards and you pull away all the possibilities and you got to go, something happened. So the Devil's Pass in- in- incident, you know, you're familiar with that one? Yeah, this is Russia. Yeah. In the Ural Mountains. Yeah, absolutely. I read the book. The Dyatlov Pass in 1959, nine Russian hikers who were students, they go up this mountain um, that's called Dead Mountain. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like all these Devil's Peak, Dead Mountain, like Devil's Gorge. Like why are all these mountainous, crazy places with have the words devil in them? Anyway, yeah. during the night, these dudes get attacked by something. And then they, f- they run away from their campsites. They, they, half of them have hypothermia. Their campsites destroyed. But here's the weird part, right? Their bodies. They had trauma. One guy had his head smashed in. Two guys had their chest totally totally smashed. And then others, missing eyes. And then one guy's tongue was ripped out. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, I've, I've not only read the book, but watched um, some documentaries on this. And they actually show some of the photos that these students took um, along their way. And wouldn't you know, uh, looking, they're taking pictures looking back. And there's blurry somethings in the picture. And when they really break it down, and you, and wait, you there's look blurry. At, there's like a bottle snowman in the in the photos. Yeah, really. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read that part. That's amazing. What they believe. What they what they believe to be. You know, it's, again, it's, ah. it's we talked about in the beginning. It's this blurry stuff. But there's so many odd things about this. The whatever happened to these to these campers, these student campers, they cut their way out of their own tent from the inside. Mm. So scared they didn't put on. Mm. They're in Siberia. They didn't put on clothes to be out in the cold. They ran for their lives. And they're deep in the Siberian forest in like the dead of winter. And one of the things interesting is that there, there's a lot of theories that they want to get away from something, you know, something along the lines of a Yeti or a Bigfoot. Um, even though there's a lot of what I would believe to be circumstantial evidence, that definitely is is probably the the biggest possibility when it comes to a hypothesis. These these students ran for their lives, ran for their lives away from their tent, away from the from the warmth of their tent. Some barefoot, some half dressed, cut their way out of their own tent. So these kids were scared for their lives, and then their bodies are are mangled and and beaten. Yeah, I read that some of them were like down the hill under a tree, and they were frozen. Basically, they like didn't go back to their campsite. They were kind of stuck. So the ones that survived ended up getting away from this campsite. I, I, and then one was like... No, none, none survived. No, no, I mean not sur- survived the initial attack. Oh, but they were all within a couple hundred yards of their tent. None of them went back. None. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then one of them was found in the ravine, right, with his tongue out. Was that the yep. one? Tongue yeah. ripped out. I mean, just pretty brutal stuff. And you think about that from like a, a forensics you know, standpoint. A, a bear can't rip a tongue out, can't... Can't gorge eyes out. No, it requires dexterity. Yeah. So that. I mean, so this is why it makes the list, right? Because it's it's like this. It's only so many, like either a crazy human being in the middle of the middle of snow, nowhere, Siberia. Yeah, the Ural Mountains. Yeah. yeah. Or this creature Yeti that's been described for thousands of years to exist in these snowy Alps. You know, like came down. I mean, but some people would say, "Oh, you're just 
you're making, you know, you're, you're jumping logical leap there. You're going way too far. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have proof that these things exist, but I'm just saying there's only a couple of things it could be. Right. And I mean, this is just one of many. Yes. I mean, I would say that circumstantial anecdotal evidence, um, I think another, and this is, this was for me is a book called the long, called the long walk. Um, which essentially is a, a book written by a Polish prisoner of war who walked from a Siberian prison camp all the way to India, allegedly. Now, there's a lot of speculation about this, and, and a lot of speculation about this story is that Ragowitz, the guy that, that wrote it, most people agree that he probably wasn't the person that walked, but there's a lot of evidence that some of the Polish troops um, individuals that actually did make a walk and there's evidence that the people did um, provided the basis for this story and I, and why he was named the author um, I have the belief and so are a lot of scholars that he was writing on behalf of a group of individuals who could not be named because there's a lot of danger for some people that were still in the Soviet Union that were still under Soviet control um, that could be in danger because his name was on it or because so their names are true story, it. but it's kind true of like story. The, the names and the characters have been changed to protect 100%. the identity. Okay, right. so what what about the story that's... Well, here's the thing that's interesting about the story, right? It's an incredible saga of, of the human spirit and, and of overcoming and of doing sort of things beyond um, what we thought capable. You walk from Siberia to India after you escape a, a prison camp. But really interesting, though, is that when they're going through the Himalayas, almost as an aside... Uh, the author says that they happen to see what they believe to be yetis, things that he couldn't identify, unidentify animals that were bipedal, that walked around and left huge footprints. And it was almost an aside in the story. And it wasn't, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is the guy walked from Siberia to, to India for his freedom. It doesn't add much to the story. It's not the focal point. Yeah. And if you're an editor or you're like a, you know what I mean? You're going to go to, you're going to go to your guy and be like, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to cut that part out. It doesn't. It doesn't lend credence to your story. You're like everything else is believable. You know, walking from Siberia to India. Yeah, I totally get that. You saw something weird in the Himalayas. Yeah, I don't. You know, guy. Let's let's take away from your credibility here. Let's just let's, let's dump that one. But no, I mean, it, it stays in there. It's it's part of the eyewitness account. And when you've seen something like that, you your conviction goes. No, that's 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 the truth. I want that in there, right? When did you read this book? Oh, man, five years ago, six years ago. It's been a while. What did you think about Yeti when, the, when you read the book? I mean, I've always been had, a, had more than a passive interest in, in the topic. Does it jump out to you like, whoa? Yeah, it was like, what? That was a quick little couple paragraphs about walking through the Himalayas. Well, that's like the Nephilim in Genesis. It just, it just drops a verse or two, and then it keeps going, and you're like, whoa, 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 wait, what? All right. It's funny how that happens, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's interesting. So I, those are just two examples, I think, of... of one for, one for me, one for you, that, that we find compelling circumstantial or, or anecdotal evidence for um, the existence of a crypto blurry creature. creature. But yeah. that's probably those hikers is probably one of the most do- well-documented like terror on the mountain stories, you know? Yeah. I've, I've seen that on dozens of History Channel, like stuff like that. So it's, it's a pretty popular story. I've actually heard that story on several podcasts. Like if you're an avid podcast listener, that one's pretty go-to for a lot of people. So the third one for me, and for the and this is probably the number one for most Bigfoot people, the Patterson Gimlin film. And uh, if you're listening to this, you know you, you probably have seen the video where the Bigfoot's walking along this on the creek and looks back, and there's like bumper stickers of this 
the, this Bigfoot, it's kind of, you know, it was forever like the Bigfoot video. Um, yeah. Shot close to your hometown and a little bit further from my hometown. Yeah, up on the, up on the Klamath River. And uh, so it's like 59 seconds, 900, a little over 900 frames. And the, the, the weird thing about this, at first when you see this, you think, oh, yeah, it's just a fake guy in a suit. But when you, but the nerdy guys who get into this, it's a female, and it's obvious it's a female. And when they really blow it up, they get high definition. You can tell it's got female anatomy. When it looks back, and you're like, okay, so if they're if, they, if these guys are going out in the woods and they're going to hoax this film, they did they decided they were going to strap boobs onto this Bigfoot and have it walk through. <laughs> And think about the gorilla suits that were available in '67. Hard to believe, you know. I've, I've watched the same thing you have, where they, yeah, they break it down frame by frame. Talk about the muscles um, moving and, ri- and rippling underneath the skin. Things that you couldn't you couldn't create. Yeah, and not in the '60s. Not it, it CGI now. You might be able to do some of that, but still, the level of detail that you can even pull off that film really lends itself to credibility. And it's not to mention that both of both Patterson and Gimlin are basically go to the well Patterson goes to his grave saying it was real yeah and Gimlin now he goes all the Bigfoot conferences he's kind of a legend in this and and if we get if we get good enough Luke we might get him on this show he's got a great mustache dude I watched his doc last (laughs) night it's like it's like it's like the old Hulk Hogan uh, mustache but it's white and I I mean the dude wears just a Bigfoot hat too I got I got it we have to just digress on this man he was on this doc really poorly produced doc I was watching last night about Bigfoot they're all poor and he produced. has just a hat that says Bigfoot <laughs> and this sweet Hulk Hogan stash and thing and dude okay he's legit man he's still living it still living and dying the Bigfoot man he's 50 50 years plus later so there's something interesting I want to note about the, the Gimlin film I don't think I've ever told this to anybody but I have a theory about why they were able to capture the best film sense. Here's my theory. They say, and I say they, I mean, people do Bigfoot. Uh, they talk about, because people will call them up and say, I have, a, I have a problem. These Bigfoot are coming up to my house. We live in a rural area. We don't know what to do. People call terrified, right? Most of these guys get phone calls because they don't understand one to call. It's like Ghostbusters. Who do you call, right? You call like a guy who does a Bigfoot podcast. Be like, what do I do? Like there's these creatures coming to my house that are supposed to not to exist, but they're terrifying my kids. I've heard this from hundreds of stories like this. And they're like, put up some game cams. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, they don't like technology. They don't like cameras. And like, and you, you think, oh, yeah, they're, they're not smart enough to know this. But I think these guys go into Bluff Creek, and they've got an old film camera. So right. perhaps it's not the kind of cameras we have now, or the technology, the infrared, the game cam, the motion track. It's just, it's... It's it's more like a piece of analog technology. Sure. So people go, well, there's all these game cams everywhere. So why wouldn't we get all this footage of Bigfoot if it's out there? Well, they know they're there. They know they're they know they're cameras. They know they're there. I mean, I, was, I, I gotta just play devil's advocate though. In this in this sense, like in my house, you came into my house, and I knew you were here, and you set up a game cam in my house. Since I know my house well, we'll just say that the Bigfoot knows the woods well. If I didn't see you do that, how would how would it not just have how would it not catch me once or twice walking to the kitchen in my underwear or whatever? I mean, that's maybe not a great analogy, but it's one of those things that like, I, I, I can see what you're saying. It's just also, it's hard. Get, yeah. It's, it's, it's scarcity. I mean, I guess if we're talking about like this, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the film is credible. That's what I'm saying. I, I just don't. I've pieced I, together this understanding that Bigfoot are sm- way smarter 
they 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 know what's going on. They know what's in the woods, and they can avoid a game cam. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, we can go forever on that one. All right, let's go to your fourth pillar. Let me recap real quick because recaps are good. Your first pillar is the Bible, um, biblical evidence, um, Nephilim, giants, the mention of giants, the mention of tribes of giants, making the Israelites look like grasshoppers. Your second pillar would be documented historical accounts, things that have happened in the not so far away um, past, but more in, in the modern era, things like the Devil's Pass incident in Siberia, things like the Long Walk. Three, the most famous of all Bigfoot evidence, um, and what most people point to when they say this is this is the, here's your smoking gun. That's the Patterson Gimlin film. So, what's number four? Number four to me is Native American legends, and this is just—I mean, you could do a whole podcast on the legends of the tribes and all the things that they dealt with. But for me, it's more in—you know—there's there's proof in the pudding in a lot of different ways. First off, like. They say that there's almost a hundred different Indian names for Bigfoot. And some of those are like Skookum, Oma, Bakwas, but the most famous one that everyone knows and you and I know, Sasquatch. Right. You know, it's common to the folklore that most of these Native American tribes, uh, they describe these creatures as like nine, nine up to nine foot tall, six to nine foot tall, very strong, hairy, uncivilized, smell terrible. They forage at night. Uh, they're usually living deep in the woods. They can't really speak human languages, so they whistle, they grunt, they have gestures, they smack things with the trees like tree knocks. The thing I like about the Native Americans is they bring a different perspective. Not only do they believe these things exist, and there's just so many tribes who have the, the history of these things interacting with their people, but they're the kind of the openers to say that they believe there there might be some supernatural powers. Right. And that opens up a can of worms that the half of the community ate it. They do not want to believe that they are not just a flesh and blood creature. But the Native Americans say they're flesh and blood skinwalkers or or shapeshifters. It's the supernatural element that they bring to the story. Not always, but that makes you go, okay, does this does this go back to number one, the Bible? Are we talking about some supernatural creatures here? Like what do we you know what I mean? I'm not so close-minded to that. Right. And, I mean, they're, they're century-old pictographs. They're drawn by the Yokuts. Um, they called it Mayak Datat. They, they drew in a cave hundreds of years ago a family of giant creatures with long, shaggy hair. Hmm. There's a ton of names. I mean, one of the Sasquatch, like you said, it comes from a language, which is going to be hard to pronounce, but Halkomelem, which is spoken by a, a number of First Nation peoples that that are from the Northwest all the way into British Columbia. And they all have their own folk folklore about um, this large humanoid ape like ogre creature that lives in, in the woods. In fact, there, there's a lot of native American folklore that talks about the interactions the tribe had with a Sasquatch. Um, some today still believe that he walks, walks with them when something weird happens when they're doing some of their tribal stuff, they say it was, it was Sasquatch. Yeah. But it wasn't just them though. I mean, I know that Native American have a, there's a long illustrious history of, of of a symbiotic relationship with this creature slash being, and it does cross in the supernatural. Well, you know, the, a lot of these giant Indian burial mounds, yeah. they say that they hunted them down, killed them, buried them in these burial mounds, but they're protected, so you can't dig them up now. But not only Bigfoot, you know, there's this this historical accounts of Indians killing giants. There's these burial mounds, and there's one in Ohio that looks like a snake. You can only see it from above in the air. It's a giant snake, and it's this yeah. mound. And they say that I've seen that. 
You seen that one? Yeah. They Snake say it's, mound, yeah. it's a buried. There's just bones in that whole thing. So it's crazy. What I don't like is a lot of people just write off Native American stories as, oh, they're just smoking peyote and they're out in the woods. You know what I mean? Like Western science. You know what I mean? It's frustrating. It's just, oh, well, we know better now. Yeah. And uh, I don't like that attitude. It's very, very dismissive. Well, I don't even think it's Native Americans. There's there's plenty of anecdotal stories from the 19th and early 20th century that you found in newspapers about miners and trappers, a gold prospector and woodsmen claiming to have had run-ins or seen like wild men, bear men, monkey men, call it whatever it was. These were all firsthand accounts. You're, and- you're, talking, about, you're talking about fifth pillar, baby. I was separating the Native American stories just because it's a little bit more supernatural, right? Right. Usually the explorers aren't in the supernatural mind frame. So I set that aside. Uh, but for me, the fifth pillar is early explorers, right? Those miners, those Lewis and Clark types, you know, uh, the Columbuses of our day, those types of people. Um, and it's funny because the Bigfoot community will say, oh, yeah, Leif Erikson saw the Bigfoot. You know, they came over here with the Vikings. And if you look into it, actually, they were describing the native people of like, um, like Nova Scotia. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it wasn't, they weren't describing Bigfoot. It was kind of funny. It was just like, but some people look for that. They want it to be true. But here's some weird stuff. Let me throw this out there. Lewis and Clark, they're like one of the, you know, most famous early explorers. When they're passing over the mountains, they said they, they were inhabited by fierce giants more akin to bears than people. Uh, known as people with no who wear no moccasins. They dwelt in caves among these rocky crags. They fed on roots and the flesh of horses. I've never heard that before. Um, but they could take and steal from those who passed through their territory. And then you've got an ex-president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, and the wilderness explorer talking about a deadly encounter by two fur trappers with a mountain devil. There it is again. In the, in the Bitterroot Range of Idaho, and Teddy was documented to go, have gone on many Bigfoot hunts with his sons. He was a big hunter. He was a big game hunter. And so here you have a president going out talking about this stuff. That's 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 next level. And you got to think if he goes on documented hunts for this thing, it's not like he, it's not like you and I saying, "Hey, uh, Nate, let's uh, this weekend you go on going to go to a unicorn hunt? Let's go run around the forest." <laughs> the I mean, there had to be. Some, like, I mean, yeah. he had to believe, and there had to be some credibility to the witnesses or to maybe to things he'd seen with his own eyes to, to actually organize a hunt with his sons to go, to go look for it. And if you're talking about traditional hunting, we're not talking about something fun you do with your, with your little kids. Like, let's go look for four leaf clovers in the yard. This is actually big game hunting. It's not just like, Oh, we're going to go out and see what happens. You prepare, you plan, you execute, you do your right. best to blend in and, make it happen well here's the thing have you ever heard of the abraham lincoln quote about the giants no i saved this little bit bit here for you so supposedly abraham lincoln says this in 1848 and it's debated if he says this or not but there is some uh i i I can try to put in the show notes i can maybe link to this quote it says the eyes of the species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of america have gazed on niagara as ours do now Abraham Lincoln, 1848. I don't know what you, I don't know what to think, but but the fact that the Native Americans and early explorers, I mean, dude, you can Google New York Times and giants, and there's dozens of articles that will come up from like 1900s, and until the 50s, they were reporting that they would find these giant skeletons, these these bones, and then it became kind of a conspiratorial thing, like after the whole alien stuff supposedly happened, and the deep state moved into America, and the Area 51, that all of a sudden all these 
these kinds of articles didn't hit the newspaper anymore. And that's more conspiratorial thinking, but you think, oh yeah, there's no documented sightings of giants in North America. Wrong. Even the New York Times still has archived literal stories of people excavating these bones. And uh, Where are they? That's, that's that's the million dollar question, my treasure hunter friend. <laughs> like, where are they? Some that's say that the men in black show up and steal them and go. The, the the Smithsonian, the Catholic Church, I've even read has taken these bones. Like you, I don't know. Let's get like, Nicholas Cage and let's go find him. I gotta tell you, man. Like almost as much, or maybe even more than Bigfoot. I think that the idea of giants is compelling. It's just compelling to me. The fact that there's all the scriptural basis for that, and just like you talk about these these articles up until the 50s, when coincidentally or not, we know that right after the right after the Second World War, the CIA was very involved in creating the propaganda machine that we call the media at this point. And that's actually where they coined the term conspiracy theory in order to discredit information that went counter to the propaganda. A man after my own heart. Right. And so this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that there's, oh gosh, I, it's interesting to me. Um, and I can't wait to see how we tie this into Bigfoot. And I think there's probably an easy leap there. But I'm, I'm really interested to break these all down. And I, I think there's, there's so much content here. In your experience, um, you know, as us as lay people, and you as a lay person, you're not an expert, and I'm by no means an expert in any of this. But I, I'm interested. I'm very, I'm very much interested. I'm very much a seeker um, when it comes to to understanding these things. And um, well, Bigfoot is the gateway drug, right? right. Uh, I think that's what I want to say with all that. Like, you get into Bigfoot, you go into other creatures, and then eventually you're like, okay, I want to know the history, right? And I, I would say that, like, to to take that as a basis, then also then also look at empirical evidence and say, listen, like it wasn't too long ago, people didn't believe in giant pandas or Komodo dragons or giant squid. We know less about the bottom of the ocean than we do about the surface of the moon, right? And and, those, and like from a very scientific standpoint, when it comes to this, there are still creatures, mammals that are being discovered. I think it's like eight or nine a year, right. just mammals. mammals. That we didn't know about, that we didn't document, that we didn't have pictures of, that Darwin didn't find on his journeys, that that we don't have. But locals saw him forever, right? A hundred percent, right? Those those were myths. I mean, gorillas were myths forever, you know. And and then finally they go and they find out it's real. There's these crazy, huge, black apes that live in little colonies and. You know, they live in the mist. If you've seen the movie, Grills in the Mist, good one. <laughs> it just just reminds me in college when I had a gorilla suit on Friday night. We would go out and we would scare the tar out of people who were drunk in my in my gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. Yeah, at, I you can know, imagine in college, San Luis Obispo. But um, but for me, I I think I really want to leave this out there that like there is a big schism. Of like, you go into the door of belief. You walk into the house of Bigfoot, right? Just to get in the door, it, it, it takes a lot of work. 
A lot of people just get out, they drive by the house and they're like, I ain't gonna go in that place. That place is nuts. People in that house are crazy. And then there's people who get in there and then there's one room inside this house that says Bigfoot is not supernatural. It is a full flesh and blood animal. And then there's another door that says, no, Bigfoot is supernatural. It can disappear. It can. It, 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 there's, there's all kinds of supernatural events with it. And there's a weird little room in the middle I was watching last night where people go that, well, it's kind of both. And, but it also has to do with quantum physics. And, you know, you're like, which, which, crazy, which crazy tribe do I want to join? And so I guess you and I are asking people right now, okay, stop the car, get out, look at the house, don't think anything yet. Don't write it off as batshit crazy. Just look at it. Have, I don't know, have the guts just to open the door and see. Right, sample the buffet, people. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I think what Nate and I are doing right now is we're just asking you to to sample the buffet. Um, I'm going to sample the buffet, Nate. I, <laughs> just take a little taste. Yeah, I'm interested. There's so many things about this I think that lead, lead to credibility. Um, I believe, but it's you know I got the mustard seed faith right now. I'm I'm, I'm in a space where I, I do th- I do think that there's a lot of things that line up to this could be this could be real. Now do. I want to go on a Sasquatch hunt with Jose Canseco. Absolutely. Do I want to spend $20,000 to do that? Absolutely not. So I guess if what we're talking about is the house of belief here and people just drive by it. But for me, I want you to stop, open the door, sit there in the yard for a second and think about this. What requirements are necessary for your mind to entertain the possibility of allowing something new to enter into that space of consideration? Just consideration, right? Do you think of yourself as, hey, I'm an open-minded person, right? Well, if you just slam the door and keep driving, then you, are you really open-minded? I don't know. And I'm not trying to get you to join a cult here. I'm just just thinking, hey, open-minded. And then you're on the lawn, you're looking, you think, oh, yeah, I'm open-minded. What further evidence is needed for you to believe? Oh, I'm past the point. I want to go in. I want to see what's inside this house. I, I don't, everyone's different. Do you need raw scientific data? Or could you possibly believe in something because someone told you a story? Like Luke read this book, The Long Walk. This guy's telling a story of seeing his family of Yeti in the woods. Did, does Luke need to see the Yeti himself to go, no, man, this guy saw something. He believes this guy's telling the truth. And for many people out there, their belief comes from the fact that they don't, they don't, they don't think that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are lying together in a giant hoax. Um, so I would say, what does it take for you listening right now to this show to believe? Uh, not scholars. I'm talking to you right now. Just the, the, driving in your car, or sitting in your house, whatever you're doing. Mowing your lawn. That's what I do when I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Mowing your lawn or just doing the dishes, right? Doing the dishes. What do you need to have place before you can believe, right? On this podcast, I think we're going to dive into that world as cryptozoology, right, Luke? We are into the into the world of the unknown, into things that that live on the fringes of reality, the fringes of our perception, and the fringes of science, practically. And cryptozoology is a study of animals, which uh, are documented sightings, but science would say there's not enough empirical evidence to qualify it as a viable species. But if there's a if there's documented sightings, I think we're gonna hop in. I don't mind if we get the crazies on here. I, I, that sounds great. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't think of more entertaining podcasts than 
Respectfully. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we're like the crazy stories, like someone saw they they think they saw a cyclops in the woods, and uh, there's no documented sightings of a cyclops, right? Probably not going to bring that guy on the show. Yeah. Probably, but we could. Yeah, we could. I mean, <laughs> it might fit into the Giants episode. <laughs> it might. I mean, depends how big he was. You know, you don't know. I mean, I have the mind to think if there's someone's talking, if, if cyclops is even in, like, like it came from somewhere, right? Somewhere. The Cyclops might have existed at one point in time. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> I, I, I know is that like 30% of the Irish believe in fairies. For real. Oh, and yeah. leprechauns. That, we're gonna go, that's a whole other place we can open up. But that's, hey, uh, that's another blurry creature, right? Adam of the is. list. Add it. Tinkerbell. Thanks for listening. Episode one, Bigfoot, the gateway drug. Here on... Blurry Creatures. I'm Luke. I'm Nate. Thanks for listening. Bounce, check a bounce, 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 b